Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into a brand new episode of the Believe and Royals podcast. I'm Alex Fuse. There's Jeremy Danner. And we have a very special guest on today's podcast, Pedro Gafal. He is a bench coach for the Kansas City Royals. Pedro, first off, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I know we were talking before we got started. We're only just about a month and a half into the season, but kind of break us down. What has this season been like for you in particular? Well, um, first of all, I'm happy to be here. It's my pleasure. Second, it's uh, I'm exhausted. It's been a hard, really hard 42 games. Uh, it's been a, a, a kind of a roller coaster for us because we started off really well and we got on the 11 game streak bad streak and then in the last uh you know you're looking you're all for 11 and you're looking at your upcoming schedule and and like we were talking before i we you know you see you got giolito rodon um Kopech, cease woodrow burns and you're like okay well it's time to either buckle up or we you know we might lose the season right here and uh, these guys have, have really answered the bell and um we're four and two against those guys and it's that's a that's a mark of a of of a good team. It's a mark of a winning team. Your schedule coming up, um, apart from Tampa Bay is in second place. In theory, it's a little bit easier than what you've faced over the past week, but you still, do you still prepare the same as you do for when you know you're going to face tough teams? Jeremy, you know what I've learned in the big leagues, um, you know, over my nine years here, and 10 overall, that there's really no easy schedule. I mean, these are, these are major league teams that, um, you know, uh, they might end up not where they want to be, but at any particular moment during the season, um, all every club is going to get hot. Um, and you might get that last place club at the end of the year that you might have gotten them in that week where they were hot. Um, and there's really no, there's really no easy schedule. I mean, uh, especially early when everybody thinks they have an opportunity to win and they're making moves to win and, uh, they're running the bullpen the way, you know, uh, the way they need to run it to win a, a, a game. Now, as the season goes on and you're in, you know, late August, September, you know, teams that are not in it, maybe they, they go into that development mode and, and just just to make sure they get themselves prepared for for next year. But um, but right now, 42 games into it, um, these guys, every everybody, everybody thinks they got an opportunity to, you know, to uh, to do something special. I think that's a great point because I feel like when you look <clears> at 2020, it was a 60 game season, and I think the casual fan almost seems to forgot what a 162 game season is like. Because when the Royals started out hot, then they went on the 11 game losing streak. It was oh my gosh, the season's over. But you look at the Royals' hot start really benefited them because when you go on an 11-game losing streak, there are only three games below 500 at the end of that streak. So they still have so much time left. So how has the adjustment been to go from 162 games to 60 games to back to 162? Well, um, it's it's not so much of an adjustment um, just because we've been doing this for such a long time. And, it, you know, we, we know the feeling of 162. Um, the, the problem is that, um, you can't win a pennant in April and in May, but you can certainly lose one, you know, and you really have to be careful, um, you know, how easy you take it, 
kind of in stride like oh this is just a you know just a bad streak and you know we'll you know we'll get through it yes you will um however you can't let it let it get too too far you know and you know as a club like i like i said before you know we were all 11 and we're looking at our schedule and the pitching coming up and we're like okay we got to buckle up here because um you know we're, we're digging ourselves in a hole and these guys really you know they answered the bell i mean they we've beat some really good pitching in the last six days and um you know those guys in milwaukee those guys are really really talented um and it's not it's not just them i mean you you know basically they're playing a, you know a two-part game i mean they got their starter that can take them six or seven and then they got that you know really they they, they got the ability to just close a game out um and you know we were able to you know to to get both those games against two big time starters and big time bullpens. So, um, you know, to answer your question, you just, last year was, was fun. There was a sprint this year, obviously it's a marathon, but you got to kind of navigate it, you know, uh, correctly. Cause if not, it can get away from you quickly, quickly. I was at the game uh, Tuesday night at the K and then I watched, uh, you know, last night's game. And to me, it looked like, uh, like this is what Royals baseball, this is our brand of baseball, timely hitting, uh, bunting. I think we had like two bunts in a row and like that gets me excited. I think bunting is sexy, especially in those situations. When, when things are going well, do you feel like it's easier for a team to do what it is they do best versus trying to, to push and get out of it when, when it's not going well? You know what I was thinking about this last night, uh, listening to the radio on the way home and they were talking about you know, the Royals brand of baseball and, you know, how we win games and this and that. And I said, you know, my, my thought process is, is pretty simple. You know, you, you have to hit homers to, to be successful over 162 games. You gotta, you gotta put the ball in the seats. You gotta get that three run Homer. You gotta take a, you know, a three run lead and turn it into a six run lead and shut the door. You gotta be able to do those things. You're not going to be able to bunt your way through, uh, a pennant you're not going to be able to do that however when the homers are not available okay and guys are not just, we're just not clicking right now on, on that part of the game how are you going to beat you know a Woodrow and a Burns and a Giolito and a Rodon how are you going to do that so um, you know we've have shown the ability to win many different ways this year we've shown the ability to win via a comeback with homers um we've shown the ability to win tight ball games with bunts and stolen bases um we've certainly have shown the ability to win you know with you know pitching and defense um and you know so it's a it's a it's a good mark of just a a good a good team and a and and just the way we find ways to win so but at the end of the day and 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 I want people to really understand this is that, you know, in this league, you, you have to drive in, you know, runs via the home run because uh, other teams are doing it. There's teams out there that are just waiting for that home run. And when they don't get it, you know, they don't win, but when they do get it, you know, you're going to have, how do you combat that? How do you, how do you play with that? And you have to, you know, you have to do the same. We have guys that can do that. And these guys will start, you know, hitting homers and we'll start putting balls in seats and three run homers and we'll start doing that. But in the meantime, we're able to stay afloat because we know how to play the game and we have capabilities of playing the small game too and tacking on a run here and there and holding on with good pitching and defense. 
One term that is like skyrocketing right now in the game is game planning. But just through having conversations with a casual fan, most fans don't really understand what goes into a game plan. Can you break it down a little bit? What exactly is game planning and why are you so passionate about it? Well, um, there's a lot of pieces to game planning. Um, you know, you got the offensive side, the defensive side. You obviously got the, you know, the pitching side of it, which is probably the most important side. Um, you know, you got to navigate their lineup. You got to, you have to decide, okay, who's not going to beat us in this lineup? Um, what pitchers do we have available that night that um, that match up with certain blocks in their lineup, maybe two or three hitter, two or three hitters, like this pitcher matches up with this block, that pitcher matches up with that block. And if that doesn't exist that, you know, that, that well, then you match up pitches like this, this bullpen pitcher that we have that has this elite pitch matches up with this block in their lineup. So, Game planning is huge. Uh, it's not the end all be all. There is an, an instinctual part and a human element to this thing. Um, and I think we do a nice job of uh, just combining both. When, uh, when we were, we started so hot in April, um, a lot of, you know, national media and other fans are saying, this isn't who the Royals are. And then during that losing streak, uh, we're all saying, this isn't who we are either. Do you think both groups are right? Um, we have a fun team. We, uh, we have a fun team that knows how to win. Um, who we are, as far as wins and losses, I don't know. You know, that, that again, 162 games, you really don't know uh, who you are after 42 games. What we do know is that we're going to compete every single day. We, we have talent. Uh, we have talent enough to do something special. Um, and over 162 games, um, you know, there's so many things that can happen and everything is rhythm. Everything is um, um, just momentum. You know, one game can, can carry you into an 8-10 game winning streak. Um, the one thing I do know is that we have the pieces to run a 10 game winning streak. And we have now the experience to you know, when you hit a little bit of a rut, we have the experience now to to know how to shut that losing streak down, which I think it's really, we survived the, um, you can say we survived it, you can say, well, it was an 11 game losing streak, but in my opinion, you know, we survived what, what could have been worse than 0-11. When you're looking at an 0-11 and you're looking at facing those type of pitching, it could have certainly been an 0-14, 0-15, if you don't have that grit, that talent, that drive, you know, to say, okay, this, you know, the buck stops here, you know? So, um, we, we now have, um, we've had the ability to have early adversity, early experience to kind of nip those, you know, those losing streaks in the butt. And we certainly have the talent to go on one of those where we run out 14 out of 16 or 14 out of 20. Why do you love the game of baseball so much? Um, you know, I was never exposed to any other sport really. Um, so maybe as a young kid, this is, it's all I knew It's it's, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the competition of it. Um, but the real reason is that 
I don't just when I watch a baseball game, I don't I don't really watch just watch a game like you know follow the ball. I don't. That's not how I watch a game. I I watch the, just the the game within the game, kind of the game planning. The you know why did this manager do this? Why did that pitcher just throw that pitch? Why you know why don't they hit and run? Oh, that was a great hit and run. Great safety squeeze. Um, I mean, so it's just the it's just those little the the game bit with you know within the game that really uh, I enjoy. I mean, I I love this sport. I think this sport has um, a hell of a lot more intangibles than what people think. Um, the mind is a is is a huge part of this game that that most people really don't understand um, because over 162 games, there's no doubt that every player, okay, that steps on that field is going to go through adversity. There's absolutely no way they can't over 100. They, nobody can sustain success for 162 games. So the mental strength um, that it takes to navigate 162 games, uh, for me, you know, watching, on a, watching all of that play, um, it's a thing of beauty for me. I, I, there's a lot of things that I love about this game that, that for me makes it the best game in the world. Do you, do you guys switch up your approach dealing with that adversity? Everyone always says the baseball players have this short memory and the, the previous day is gone. Um, but when you're in a streak like that, it's got to be tough to, to let that go. But at the same time, when you do, you talked about momentum. When you have that success, do you want to refer back to the day before and build on that? Or is it still that short-term memory? Every game is its own thing. That's a good question. Um, it's, 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 we try to do the short-term memory thing. Um, but when you're not having success um, and it kind of prolongs a little bit and what I mean by, by prolonged, it could be, you know, you know, five or six days or 30 at bats, you know, in the big scheme of things, there are not a lot of at bats, you know, obviously, but, a, but an O for 30, a five for 30, you know, that's, that's, it, it wears you down. Uh, it wears you down mentally. So um, there are many ways to combat that. Um, obviously prior successes, um, kind of keep you level-headed to where you're like, okay, I've done this before. I've been in this slump before. I've gotten out of it before. I've been the best player in the game before. And these are all things that, you know, we as coaches try to remind these players um, that you've been here before. You've survived adversity before. You've come back to be one of the best players in the game, you know, during the during a small stretch of time and then you've gone back to adversity so most players have gone through adversity they've gone through successes that as coaches you got to try to continue to remind them of who they are um, who they're going to be after 162 games and just trust the process on the mechanical side um, at this level it's really not that much um, mechanical. However, um, when you make a small little adjustment, it kind of tweaks the mind to where, okay, now I'm back to where I need to be. And again, it, it, it a small mechanical adjustment becomes a, a huge mental adjustment um, that kind of gets you out of it. So there's a lot of ways to attack it. Um, there's no one way. Every player is different. Every player thinks different. Every player is wired different. So you just got to continue to be creative as a, as a coach. You said at the beginning, you're tired. I think everyone that's in the game of baseball 
it is a mental grind. You talked about mindset. How do you keep your mindset fresh in just this long season? You just gotta, and for me personally, I have, you know, um, a few hobbies. Um, I, I love talking to my family. I love, you know, FaceTiming with them. It kind of takes me, my, takes my mind away from the game. I, I, I like working out. I do it every day. Um, I put my headphones on. I listen to some music and I'm just, you know, I just remove myself from the, from this game. Um, it's not physical. Um, it, 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 it's really not physical. It's just that mental grind that gets you. It's just, you get exhausted. So it's not physical exhaustion. It's just mental exhaustion. But, um, once you come home, you sit down, you relax, you reflect, you watch a little, you know, baseball on TV, watch other clubs go through the pressure. Um, you kind of, you kind of relax and get ready to go and do it again the next day. You know, it's, it's the great thing about this. And I've always said this cause I, when I was in the front office, it just never stopped. You know, it was just 24 seven, you know, 365, you know, and the one thing that always, you know, attracted me to be on the field and, and just be a coach is that, you know what, go as hard as you can for eight months. Because at, at the end of those eight months, you're going to have four months where you don't even have to think about this game if you choose not to, you know. And for me, that's what I do, you know. And to be honest with you, that's what my family does too. I mean, we, we go at this thing really hard for eight, eight months. And then once I go home, I don't want to, I, I don't, I just, it's, there's, there's really no baseball. Um, it's just, what can I do around the house? How can I serve everybody? How can I... You know, what do you need me to do, you know, other than talk about the game or anything like that? I just want to relax. And normally that takes about, you know, four or five weeks. And then you start like your mind starts like, OK, you know, um, you know, how can we get better next year? How can we let me let me read this. Let me write some notes. Let me reflect on the season. So it's one of those things where you, once you take that little break, four or five weeks later, you start getting that urge again. Like, OK, when do we go again? You know, so. That's all I got on that. With uh, with Alex Gordon's retirement, um, to to me and, and to fans, it looks like uh, that that grinded out leadership uh, has has been passed to Whit Merrifield, even almost symbolically with with Gordo throwing the first pitch to him on opening day. Do you do you see that in the clubhouse? And can you talk about his development uh, in, in the time that he's been with the the big league club? Merrifield's, yeah. Um, you know, Merrifield's got a, a great baseball background. You know, they won a championship of South Carolina. Um, you know, he's a really smart player. His father played, you know, professionally. Uh, he knows what this is about, you know, and he's a smart kid. He knows what, what leadership's about. Uh, the cool thing about this club is that we have multiple leaders and um, they know how to lead together. Uh, it's not just one guy leading this club. Um, and that's the cool thing about it, that we... You know, it's not it, it. It's not like if some something's happening, this guy's going to call a meeting, or that guy's going to call a meeting. This guy's going to take care of it. This guy's the voice. That's not that's not who we are. We have we have multiple leader leaders in this clubhouse. We have experience in this clubhouse. We have world champions in this clubhouse. Um, so um, this is a really unique unique clubhouse to where these guys know how to lead together. It's pretty cool. You talk about just, it almost seems like it's a melting pot, this Royals team. And you talk about the identity. If you could put one word on this identity of the 2021 Royals team, what word would you choose? Grit. 
um, this this club. I, I've really, you know, I've been a part of two World Series teams, and those were unbelievable teams. And those those guys were just relentless winners. Um, they just knew how to win. They knew how to fight. They knew how to. They were together. It was an unbelievable ball club. Um, this club um, just never lets up. Man. This, I mean, even if we even if we lose a game, the energy and the intensity that is is displayed throughout nine innings um, is really unbelievable. I mean, we've we've had some comebacks this year to where a lot of clubs would would just you know, put their head down and say, okay, this game's over. Let's get them tomorrow. And we've come back four, nothing, five, nothing, six, nothing, you know, um, and the, through that 11 game uh, <clears throat> streak that we had, we lost them heartbreakers. I mean, games that we were up four, nothing, and just all of a sudden it got just taken away from us or, you know, in uh, those games are tough to bounce back. And, I can only recall one game that we were we might have been a little bit flat, but even through those through those eleven games, um, and even the games that we were down, I the energy in that dugout and and the grit in that dugout is it's really like anything I've ever seen before, including that fourteen and fifteen club that was so special. I was going to ask you if you're seeing parallels between those teams because in. If you, if you go back to the, you know, the early teens and even before that, it seems like there were times where like, what's going to happen to lose this game. But then in 2014 and 2015, I felt like watching the games, there was no lead that was out of reach um, and then no lead that we didn't want to tack on to. So are you, are you seeing, are you seeing, you know, similar uh, similarities to, to that team and this team now? There's no doubt. I mean, the teams are, uh, they're very similar. Um, these guys, um, these guys know how to win games. And, and we've shown that here in the last uh, few days, you know, you beat that kind of pitching, um, you, you have to be doing something right. Um, Cause you're certainly not going to put balls in seats to beat these guys. You know, we did yesterday and it was a three, two, you know, fastball that Michael Taylor put a good swing on it and ball went out of the yard. But the last two days, I mean, we've had to, you know, we've had to, to fight to really score some runs against, against that, you know, talented pitching staff. So um, I, I wouldn't, I don't like, I never like to compare a world championship team with anybody else. Just like I don't like comparing Hall of Famers to players that are still playing and are not Hall of Famers. It's not, it's not fair. Um, however, when it comes to grit, determination, um, you know, just that mental strength that you need to navigate 162 games at that at that type of energy this club is, is is right there with that 14 and 15 club this is our favorite part of the show pedro it's a fast five quick round so it's five quick questions uh -oh. and you have as much time to answer as needed are you ready i'm ready all right so the first one's interesting to me i called baseball in the necbl which is right near the Cape Cod Baseball League. You played on a Cape Cod baseball team back in the early '90s. What was that experience like for you? That was the that was the funnest time of my life. Um, you know, you 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 head to a little to a little island. You, there's a bunch of teams there. You play, you know, you play baseball. You work during the day. Um, 
I didn't have to work, thank God. But uh, I went to the gym uh, in the morning and played in the afternoon. And that was probably the funnest time I've ever had in my life in baseball. And I, um, I'm, I'm grateful to have been able to do it. And I did it twice. Um, I did it in 90 and I did it in 91. So um, Cape Cod, for me, any young kid out there that, that um, is trying to, you know, determine or decide whether they should play there or not, go play there. Who has the best walk-up song on the team? You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't notice any walk-up song. And <laughs> I don't know why. Everybody does. Because um, I don't think there's a day that goes by. Did you hear that guy's walk-up song? And I'm like, uh, no. What, what is it? And I don't know why I don't notice it. But I don't know any or notice any walk-up songs. Um, I'm, don't ask me. Maybe it's that old school mentality that, you know, that still is lingering in there somewhere. Take me back to the Brady Singer game. That's what I'm calling it. When some of the coaches got ejected from that game and Mike <clears throat> Matheny got ejected and you had to take over as a manager. Now, what happens when a manager gets ejected and you are the interim manager? Well, in our case, I don't know how they do it in other places, um, but in our case, our, our game planning and our pre-game planning um, to manage a ball game um, is really, really good um, to a point where if that happens, um, I know exactly what Mike wants to do and how he wants to do it. Um, you know, I certainly, we still certainly run things through you know, through him during the game, he's not there. He's, he's tossed, but he's, he's, you know, back in the clubhouse, but, um, but you know, it's the game planning. I mean, we, we sit, we sit together before a game. We know exactly what we want to do. Obviously it's not always, it doesn't always work out that way, but it really doesn't venture out that much. Uh, you're not always going to stay on that road, but you're not going to, you know, you're not going to veer out and head in another, you know, another direction. So, um, it's happened once this year. It happened once last year. And both times um, we've, you know, we've executed the game plan that we, that we planned probably at 630. It seems like every week there's, there's something that happens during um, not necessarily our games, but a game across the league that gets everyone riled up and talking about the unwritten rules of the game. What are your thoughts on the unwritten rules of the game? Um. You know, there's certain there's certain rules um, that obviously have have changed. Um, I'm not going to particularly go into rules. I'm going to go on respect of the game. You know, respect of the game, respect your opponent. Um, and if you if you stay within those, you know, two lanes where respect your opponent and respect the game, I think you'll be fine. You know, um, everybody. I'm hoping everybody knows you know, right, right from wrong. And if you don't, all you got to do is, okay, you know, how do I respect my opponent in this certain situation right here? Um, and hopefully you'll, you'll stay within those, within those lines. If, if that's the question you ask yourself, but I don't think, um, I don't think you, you can't ever ask yourself those questions when it's time to make a decision. Um, and, and most of the, most of the times it's, it's, you know, blowout games, right? That's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Um, you know, the things you got to ask yourself is, you know what, respect the game and respect your opponent and, and you'll make the right decision most of the time.
And then the last one for me for the Fast Five, what is your go-to karaoke song? Yes. <laughs> you know what? I, I just like my just like my lack of knowledge on walk-up songs. I have zero knowledge on karaoke or or um, actually just music itself. I, I I know what music, what type of music I like, but as far as karaoke, I'll leave that up to Gene Watson. He's the karaoke ancient. <laughs> what kind of music do you like? Uh, Fleetwood Mac. I'm I'm into Fleetwood Mac now. I love I love Fleetwood Mac. You know, but country Fleetwood Mac. I don't. You know, everybody thinks just because I'm you know, Cuban, I, I might like that, you know, that salsa and that they, you know, only, only when Ali and I are dancing a little bit, but other than that, I'm staying with the country and, you know, that, that style of music. And then Pedro, the last question we have for you on the podcast, if someone walked up to you right now and said, who is Pedro Grafal, what would you tell them? Um, a serving person who cares about people, cares about the game, um, and cares about, you know, always trying to do things right with a lot of faith. I love it. Well, Pedro, thanks so much for taking the time this morning to come on the Believe in Royals podcast. Nice job, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.